So we're going to read together tonight from the Old Testament Scriptures, and we're reading from the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. We're not going to read all the verses of the chapter. It's a long chapter. It's quite a familiar chapter, but we will read enough just to give us the, the drift and, uh, 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 and emphasis of the message. So we're going to uh, read from, let's see, let's, let's read from verse 17. First Kings chapter 7, 18 and commencing to read at verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves, four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now let's go to verse 36. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. We shall conclude at verse 40, and may God bless his word to our hearts. Now please join me for a brief moment of prayer again this evening, just as we come to the Scriptures. 
Our Father in heaven, we come to thank and praise thee this evening that thou art the God that answers by fire. Thou art the one living true God, and before thee all other gods are as nothing. And tonight, Lord, we realize that there are gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one Lord. There is but one God. And we thank thee, Lord, that Elijah's God still lives today and answers still by fire. And when I pray my heart's desire upon my soul, he sends down fire. And tonight, Lord, we pray that all our hearts will be set ablaze with thy love and kindled with fire that comes from above. Oh, my Savior, tonight, find us, Lord, with our altar prepared and prepared, and come thy mighty Spirit upon us this evening, we pray, and be glorified amongst us in the Savior's blessed and precious and worthy name. We ask these things for thy glory only. Amen and amen. I've called the message tonight, very simply, The Meeting on the Mountain. If you've ever been to Israel, you will have the scene in your mind's eye because the modern city of Haifa is built on the slopes and at the base of Mount Carmel, right up there on the northwest coast of Israel. And if you go up to Mount Carmel and you get to the top there, to the lookout area, you will see a large figure on a, on a plinth. And it is a depiction of Elijah, the man of God, who is, of course, the featured prophet right here in this passage that we have read together this evening. It was a decisive day, this meeting on the mountain. As you may know, the background to the story is that because of the idolatry of the nation, God had withheld the rain. For three and a half years, there had been no water, and everything was parched and barren and dry. Ahab had sent out his lookouts to try and find water. He had sent out his scouts to try and find Elijah. But God had hidden his servant very, very specially. And then there came the moment whenever it was time for the Lord to establish who really is the true and living God and to speak and did so in the manner in which we read just a little while ago. And Elijah called Ahab after meeting him, called him to a showdown at Mount Carmel. And he called him to bring the prophets of the groves and the prophets of Baal. And 850 of them arrived on that day. Sun was beating down. It was still hot. It was very dry. And they had come and the nation actually had been called to come as well. And in my mind's eye, I see the people wending their way to Mount Carmel and all the prophets of the groves and of Baal wending their way up the mountain. And this one solitary figure, Elijah, the man of God, what a tremendous man he was. He appears suddenly on the scene, Elijah the Tishbite. We don't read about him before the first dimension of him. He just steps right into the picture. God had been preparing his man. Elijah wasn't suddenly uh, birthed into this position. God had prepared his man for many a day before the appearance of him on the pages of Scripture and in the scene of Israel. And you know, the Lord is a wonderful way of preparing his man for his moment. 
whenever revival comes and came in days gone by, God had been preparing a man, getting him ready for the moment whenever he would introduce him into the arena for the glory of his name. And ladies and gentlemen, it's very important to always be open to God and be always seeking his will and have your life at his disposal so that when the moment comes, he can put his hand upon you if you're available and he can introduce you into the ministry and the work that he has been preparing you for. It was like that with Evan Roberts in the 1904 revival in Wales. As a young man of 13, God mightily met with young Evan Roberts one day in a prayer meeting in church. And so much so that the Spirit of God came upon him that he began to pray that God would send revival. And right through his teenage years, for 10 years, Evan Roberts was praying that God would do this. And he was growing as a teenager and Others were doing their things that teenagers do in those days. But Evan Roberts was a single-track mind, single-track heart, and he was devoted and focused on what he wanted for the nation. And then there came the day whenever God introduced Evan Roberts into the arena of revival in the land of Wales. Some years ago, Yvonne and I stood at Evan Roberts' grave and we looked at the family members that are buried there with Evan and reminded ourselves that under that young man a great multitude of souls were led to Jesus though he was only 23 years of age. We also went along at that same time to another wonderful man of God whose life and ministry have touched people all around the world. And I speak of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And as we stood at Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones's grave at, uh, just there in Wales, thank God for the influence of men who were dedicated to God, sanctified to His glory, whose lives were altogether on the altar for God. Their minds were dedicated to serve the Lord. Their hearts were ablaze with love for Jesus. And their testimony lives on to this day. They being dead, yet speak. Do you know something? I want my life to be like that. So that when I pass on from this scene of time, it will still speak on. Wouldn't you want to leave that kind of legacy? You will if you live out and out for the Lord Jesus. And everything is at His disposal. And the heart and life and soul and will and eyes and hands and feet, as Francis Ridley Havergill put it in her beautiful hymn, and self off the throne and Christ enthroned, He will take you and He will make you. Not maybe your ability but your availability for sure is the most important thing. Let me ask you a question, brother, sister in the Lord. Are you available? Are you at His disposal? Are you at His feet tonight saying, Lord, I want your will for my life that it might be done in me this bit of earth on this earth as it is done in heaven, your heaven, my heart and in my life. Live out thy life within me. O Jesus, King of kings, be thou thyself the answer to all my questionings.
Live out thy life within me, in all things have thy way. I, that transparent medium, thy glory to display. The second verse of that lovely hymn goes like this. The temple has been yielded and purified from sin. Let thy Shekinah glory now flash forth from within. And all the earth keep silent. The body henceforth be thy silent, docile servant, used only as by thee. Oh, my dear people tonight, that we might make a covenant with God to be altogether his and let him do in us and through us what he wants to do and take each life and fill us to the uttermost. So often I pray when I'm praying, oh, fill me with thy fullness, Lord, until my very heart and life overflows in kindling thought and glowing word, thy love to tell, thy praise to show. Breathe on me, breath of God, Fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. And so thank God tonight when we're on the stretch and at his feet, his spirit will work on us, molding us into a vessel unto honor, sanctified and suitable for the master's use. And you need to pray that prayer, particularly maybe at this point in your life. And put your life on the line and say, Lord, I want to know your will for my life. Here I am. I am altogether at your disposal, Lord. Take me up and make me a prophet of God for your own name's sake and glory. Elijah was prepared by God for this special moment. We too need to be prepared because God wants to work through all our lives. He really does, friends. And what wonderful possibilities there are in lives that are at his feet and surrender to him the potential of a life. You know, there was a little boy and he would come every day, every Lord's Day, whenever Dr. Moore was the pastor in Carruthers Close in the Royal Mile. And this little fellow would never leave church until he got to shake hands with Dr. John Moore, the man who wrote Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. And you know, that little fellow would shake his hand. And then when he got to shake Miss Dr. Moore's hand after everybody had gone, the little fellow would go off happy with his parents away and home again. Do you know who that man, little boy, became? He became Dr. Alistair Bay who is such a ministry today that reaches round the world. And so when I see little boys and girls, you, it's not a surprise to you, I hope, that I've got a special interest in little boys and little girls who come to church because if they shake my hand, maybe someday they will look back in their adulthood and thank God that somebody took notice of them. Sometimes they are the unseen congregation within the congregation. So, boys and girls, tonight, in the meeting, God has a plan for your life. Something only you can do. You are so valuable to him. You are a jewel beyond compare, a priceless treasure, so very rare. He gave just everything to make you his own. I love that hymn. That's a hymn that's sung by our friend Anita MacDonald, and she wrote it herself. And my, what a tremendous hymn it is. God has a plan for you. Something only you can do. You are so valuable to him. 
Well then, whenever we come to the meeting on the mountain and they are gathered together, this man of God calls the people and the time has come to have some very important business settled at the mountain on that day. And first of all this evening, it was a meeting for a definition. It was time to define what was truth and what was error. It was time to establish in the minds and hearts of the people again who is the living and the true God. And Elijah has called the people and he's the man who's going to define the definition of true experience and true religion. You know, there were two religious movements in the land. There was a remnant of people who followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a great number of people who had been swept along in the tide of idolatry. And they cannot coexist. Light and darkness cannot coexist. What fellowship hath light with darkness? What fellowship hath the temple of God with idols? And so the Lord says there are two distinctions. And tonight, dear people, there is a very clear distinction between being religious and being saved. And I don't know exactly where every single person is in the congregation this evening, but the Lord has come night after night to us, and in the meetings that we have had, and some of very special meetings we have had during this first part of the mission, first couple of weeks, some nights stand out very clearly in my mind whenever it seemed like we were being carried along in the power of the Spirit, and the presence of God was very real. And what has come in those special nights? The majesty of the cross of Jesus. The power of the glorious gospel of our great Savior. And as we have come through those meetings and here again tonight, our precious immortal soul that is of more value than world's mind and unmind, oh, he has it in his hands this evening to work on you in the inside to touch your life and to bring you to himself. Let me tell you again tonight, there is no other like Jesus. There is no other experience in the world that will give you the assurance and the security that saving grace gives you. We are brought into the refuge. We are brought into the ark. We are brought into the place of perfect rest in Jesus. And tonight he has come to call you from your sin and from your darkness to bring you to the light and the grace of Jesus Christ. He defined the truth to the people. And he said, Lord, I want you to show them that you are the living and the true God. That's our desire. That's our desire in our ministry. Whether it's door to door, whether it's street preaching, whether it's pulpit ministry, whatever it is, it is to reveal that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope for lost sinners and that he surely is the hope for you tonight. And this evening he comes and presents himself to you again. He's unseen, but he's real. His spirit has come to work on his behalf and he has come to draw you to himself. 
I've so often shared with you because an ounce of experience is worth a ton of theory and finding myself like where you are in the final nights of a mission, knowing that God was speaking to my heart and feeling this is my mission. I don't want this mission to pass without my trusting Jesus Christ. This is my time to come. I wonder if that's like you tonight. This Tuesday evening, only three more nights after tonight, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday, and then the mission is over and the opportunity of this mission has passed by forever. The lights will be put out after the Friday night service and the doors will be closed and the mission will be history. I wonder, will it be written into the story of your life that it was there in that mission, in that night, on that week, that was the night when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know, tonight, even though it's a long time since it happened to me, I could take you right back tonight if we could get into the motor car and the church doors were open where we would go, I could take you probably very near the spot where I bowed my heart in surrender to Jesus. Even though a lifetime has passed since, you will never forget that moment in your life. What about tonight? Definition, that surely was made on Mount Carmel. And he said, let this people know that thou art the Lord God and that I have done this as thy servant, all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. I pray this night that there will be a heart that will surrender to Jesus Christ. Is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming, Jesus is passing this way. Jesus is passing this way, this way today. Jesus is passing this way. He's passing this way today. It was a meeting for a definition. It was also a meeting for decision. I think whenever that people gathered, I see them in my mind's eye as this man of God stands forth and speaks to them and says, How long halt ye between two opinions? He was looking for a decisive step on the part of the people, a decisive confession on the part of the people, and he challenged them and called them with these words. They are familiar words. This is not the first time that evangelistic preachers and speakers have spoken on these words. And they come again and again because they so express where people are in a service like this or in a mission like this. Whenever there are two situations that are before the people, what they are and what they could be, what they have been and what God wants to make you in the days that lie yet ahead. And the moment to make that step and choice had come for the nation. They were halting. They didn't answer. It seems that they were stunned into silence at that point in time. 
And he said to them, If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. And he said, I want you to know who the living God is, and when he reveals himself, then you've got to make your choice. And you know, friends, tonight, God so revealed himself in such an uncontrovertible way, in such an expressive way, when the fire came down upon the altar and consumed the sacrifice, what alternative was there to that? The alternative of a Baal altar where there was no fire, no answer, and nothing had happened all day, and suddenly God reveals himself in a way that can never be disputed. You know something? God has revealed himself in a way that is beyond dispute, when he gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice and a ransom for your sin and mine. And when he was lifted up to die, and the darkness came down on Mount Calvary, and the people smote their breasts, and the women stood afar off, they had never seen such a scene in those moments when the cry went out, it is finished. That triumphant cry, tetelestia, perfected. The word is a wonderful word. It's like when Leonardo da Vinci painted his Last Supper picture, that magnificent painting, and he stood back after he put the last brush stroke on, and if he would have spoken in the Greek language, he would have said, tetelestia, perfected. To touch it again would spoil it and mar it. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has paid such a price and done such a work that all of heaven can look back and say, Tetelestia, perfected. He completed the work he begun. And tonight there's nothing that we can do to make it any better. It is adequate for your need. There's no sinner too sinful that the precious blood of Jesus cannot deal with that sin. There is nobody that's in touch too much darkness or bondage or addiction that it cannot break that addiction, that it cannot change that life around and make it a brand new life. We have seen it. We have seen it happen under other preachers. We have seen it down through the years of our lives that he has taken lives that are broken, marred, scarred, and rent asunder by the forces of darkness and evil and made into magnificent temples of the Holy Spirit with the power and beauty of Jesus Christ upon them. Why, my dear people tonight, this Jesus is here to do this for you. And the question tonight is, how long will you sit on the fence? How long will you follow your way instead of God's way? If that's the right way, follow. If this is the right way, then follow it. And whenever the chips are down, friends, there is but one way and there is no other way no other way to go. One way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. Yes, this can be the night of decision, the night of choice. You have the ability, 
God enabling you to step out this night and put your hand into the hand of Jesus. You can't save yourself. You can't make choice of your own, totally on your own, but as you yield to the help and the, 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 the promptings of the Spirit, oh, he will help you to come. He will help you to come and to kneel at the cross. It was a meeting on the mountain for definition. And to establish, if we were to bring it into the New Testament again, to present the cross in all its glory and its power as the way of salvation for the whosoever will. To call you to that cross tonight, to bring your life to him, and to come just as you are, in your sin, in your darkness, in your lostness. And with all this going on in your mind, what will I do with Jesus? Which will it be? Will it be Christ or Satan? Will it be sin or righteousness? Will it be the narrow way or the broad way? Will it be heavenward or hellward? Which will it be? That's the choice. That's the decision that you've got to make. Not only is there the definition of truth and the decision that the prophet calls for, but there is a declaration. Whenever the man of God prayed, the Bible tells us, the fire of God fell upon the altar. And you know, there was nothing more needed to be said because in the reading that we read, the people fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And whenever the Spirit of God begins to move in people, they come to that point where they acknowledge, the Lord, he is the God. Jesus shall be my Savior. He shall be my Lord. And I bow before him. I prayer again to Evan Roberts. We were so impressed by the movement of God in Wales in those years gone by. Whenever he began to preach and speak in the meetings, the people began to bow before the presence of God. And in the Spirit they meant, they, they made it right to the foot of the cross. They came just as they were, and there they knelt and cried out to God and sought the Lord. And tonight, that can happen right here at the Moy. That can happen in the lifeboat this evening. This Tuesday night, there can be a man, there can be a woman, a young man, a young woman tonight, maybe even a boy or a girl, who can say, Jesus shall be my Savior. I will follow him. Lord, here I am. I give up myself. I surrender. I yield. I come. The Lord Jesus Christ will be my Savior, my Lord, my Master. That can happen if you will trust Him, if you will trust Him. Praise God tonight for those who have come, those who have confessed Him as their Savior. I've said this. They have had a meeting on the mountain. Not Mount Carmel, beside Haifa, but on Mount Calvary. Yes, Mount Calvary tonight. What about coming to the cross? There's a lovely hymn goes something like this. I am coming to the cross. I am poor and weak and blind. I am counting all but dross. I shall full salvation find. 
I am coming, Lord, says the chorus of another one, coming now to thee, trusting only in the blood that flowed on Calvary. Some years ago, I was called to do a mission in Rathfryland. I'd been there for some meetings, and uh, the friends there at the friends' meeting house had got me to come and do a mission, and we did it for a short time. And then a businessman had been attending those meetings, and he called me one day a couple of years later and said, would you come, he said, and do a mission, he said, again in Rathfryland. So he said, come and stay with us in our, in our home. And so I went, and it was a lovely home. He was a very well-to-do businessman. And the first Monday morning when we uh, had breakfast, he said, uh, uh, let's just go down to the front room, he said, and, uh, uh, and we'll have a wee time of prayer. And so we went, and we knelt down, the two of us beside each other, to pray for the mission. And after we had prayed, and he prayed too, he said to me, you know, he said, Eric, I, I can't say that there was ever a time whenever I uh, was born again of the Spirit. I, 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 I haven't got assurance of salvation. Well, they talk about being knocked down with a feather. I was just completely over just clean bowled over, and, uh, completely stumped. I said, really? <laughs> I said, well, you know, that night he got the people to come back to the lovely bungalow and, uh, from the meeting, and uh, we had a time of singing. And uh, there was a, a, a singing, of course, all my sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them to the tree. God, who knew them, laid them on him, and believing, I go free. You know what happened? During the singing of the chorus, my man got wonderfully saved that night. And the next morning, it was breakfast news that he had come through to the Lord. Well, the mission went on. And one morning, I came down early because I was driving back to Port Rush that morning to start lecturing that day at the Bible College. And so it was a very early breakfast, about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I arrived into the room. The breakfast table was set. But the lady of the house, his wife was sitting at the table. Her eyes were red. She had obviously been crying, very sore. And I said, what in the world's wrong? Oh, she said, all night she said, that verse of that hymn has been going through my heart. I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee for cleansing in thy precious blood that flowed on Calvary. I am coming, Lord. I said, Gwyneth. Why, that's the Lord calling you. He's speaking to your heart. Do you want to come now? And at the breakfast table with the joy to point her to the Lord Jesus. And I set off happy to port rush up the road way all the way from Rathfry Island. Well, Thursday night came. Hmm, Thursday night came. Maybe it was the second week. I don't remember. It was the same week. I'm pretty sure it was. And, uh, well, the father-in-law lived with them, you know. Uh, Drew's father-in-law. Uh, Joe, Joe lived with them and Joe uh, knew that the minister was staying in the home so he was very careful with his language you know and he didn't buy the Sunday newspapers but anyway uh, we got on really well and she came in and came into the room he's going to get his breakfast and she said well she said you know this is my dad's this is his birthday today 79 today oh I said Joe happy birthday to you only one will not do take Christ as your savior and then you'll have two what do you think about that, Joe? Uh -huh. So that night, after the sing-song and the 
beautiful bungalow and the people were left. Somebody came and said, Joe wants to speak to you. <laughs> and there that night at about 11 o'clock, he too came to the Lord. And we got the whole house saved in the week. Amen. All three of them. It was a very fruitful mission for that family. Praise God. Oh, I love to tell you tonight that it's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. A poor girl came to the mission. She'd come to the first one. Now she came to the second. When she came to the first, she said, I'm too bad. She had had a bad, checkered, very checkered background in her life. She said, it's not for me. But then she started to come to the next time that I was back. And she came. And then one morning she arrived round, all drawn and gaunt, cheeks and dropped in, eyes hollowed in, and came there and she said, you know, I've discovered this week, this is for me. This is for me. And we knelt down at the city, and there she came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you tonight, this is for you. This is for you. Decision, a declaration, the Lord shall be my God. He is mine. People walked down from that mountain. The idolatry was done away with. The prophets were taken and slain down at the brook Kishon. And there was a transformation of the nation and the land. It wasn't very long until the heavens were filled with rain. God had come. Maybe tonight, the meeting on the mountain is a meeting at Calvary's cross and Calvary's mountain for you. And this evening finds you here in the providence of the Lord to bring you just from where you are to where he wants you to be in the refuge of his precious blood. Could I invite you with all my heart? Charles Wesley finished his sermons time after time with these lovely words. Let me commend to you, my Savior. I commend my Savior to you this evening as a perfect gentleman who will never force his way into your life but stands at the door knocking and he waits for you to open. The handle is on the inside, you know. And Holman Hunt's painting, copy of it there in St. Paul's, we stood before it some years ago and looked at it. It's all overgrown with briars and whatever because the door has been closed for a long time. There's no handle on the outside. Jesus, the light of the world, in his high priestly garments is standing and he's waiting. The Jew is on his head. He has been there a long time. It's a picture of your life, your heart. Will you open the door? Will you allow him in? At the heart's door, the Savior's knocking. At the heart's door, so fast closed by sin. Don't you hear him gently knocking? Draw the bolt and let him in. Oh, what a night this can be for you. What a night for all of us this can be. Let's bow together in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus tonight, 
Thy Holy Spirit, Lord, alone can turn our hearts from sin. Thy power alone can sanctify and keep us pure within. O Spirit of faith and love, come in the midst, we pray, and purify each waiting heart. Baptize us with thy power today. This is our prayer, Lord, as your children tonight, as your people of God. And we do pray, Lord, Spirit of the living God, do thy utmost work in our yielding hearts and let us be those vessels that are clean vessels in thy hand with no power but as thou givest graciously with each command, channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power, flowing through us thou canst use us every day and every hour. And Father, for those tonight who have yet to come, for the very first time, we pray this evening, Lord, that they will halt no longer that the battle and the tussle that has been going on in their mind or in their spirit over these days and maybe during the night time, Lord, we pray this night that the conflict will be over and done, the battle will be over and passed, and the issue will be settled, and someone tonight will seek the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, we pray in Jesus' precious and worthy and holy name. Amen, Lord. Amen.